we considered the impact of the so-called cost of living crisis on small business around the country? I was shown a community message this week lamenting the closure of four long-standing small businesses in one Sydney area, between them representing almost 80 years of trading. And the locals say the sites will probably sit vacant for months, if not longer. Meanwhile, the big supermarkets close by just seem to keep powering on. Is that part of the problem? Well, there are various reasons behind struggling small businesses, but we'd like to take a closer look, especially at rents and their effects, because it's not straightforward. Kelly Cunningham knows about all about this. She's a commercial property consultant and negotiates retail leases on behalf of tenants. And Luke Arkestrat is the CEO of the Council of Small Business Organisations, COSBOA. Welcome to you both to Saturday Extra. Thank you. Morning, Geraldine. And, and, and we do welcome listeners' accounts too via our text line, preferably short. Now, Luke, that story I related about very experienced small business people just stepping back, is that more common these days and shops staying vacant? Morning, Geraldine. Yeah, sorry about that. Look, I think it is a pretty common story. You know, we're really dealing with this perfect storm of cost for small businesses. So you alluded to it in your opening there. You know, we're experiencing a, a cost of living crisis, but small businesses, even large businesses, but particularly the smaller ones, are, exper- are experiencing a cost of doing business crisis. So there's a range of input factors there. Obviously, a lot of talk about interest rates, uh, but also things like energy costs. We know that labour costs have increased quite significantly as well. But in terms of rental costs, you know, you're right, they are very significant and a regular outgoing for a business. So they represent, you know, a monthly payment in advance um, that can be quite significant in a business's overall operating costs. Um, And we've seen a little bit of reduced foot traffic, uh, particularly for a lot of small businesses, perhaps in, you know, commercial centres or the CBD where, you know, this work from home sort of trend has really prevented a lot of people from getting back into the city. So, you know, it's it's a dying shame, it's a crying shame when I hear, you know, four businesses closing down uh, with, you know, sort of 80 years of legacy, that will have a really big impact, not just on sort of the small business landscape, but also our communities as well, you know, our local communities that really enjoy having that small business touch. So we are at a bit of a, a crisis point and we need to start thinking about what policy options are out there to try to boost our small businesses. I don't know whether it's your organisation, but I saw a statistic, 43% of small businesses are not breaking even at the moment. Now, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not in the, in the media a lot, you know? That's correct, uh, Jerry. Look, we're trying to get that figure out there. That's, data, that's not our data, but it's data from the, the Australian Small Business Ombudsman. So it's independent government data. Um, we are tr- definitely trying to shine a light on that because, you know, there's big implications there. You know, that's almost half of our small businesses. That's over 1 million small businesses in Australia, mm. not breaking even. So we're not talking about profits or let alone super profits. We're talking about that ability to keep the lights on. Yeah, and so you just wonder whether the pandemic will come back to it. It's just sort of people are saying, look, why, why bother, you know, uh, why yeah, bother? Look, is it correct that sometimes, as we've heard, it's better for a landlord to leave a property empty than to have a tenant paying less rent? Like if the, if the landlord reacted to this and said, well, I'll reduce your rent, which seems so obvious to most of us, it doesn't seem to happen. Why not? Yeah, look, Jerry, it's obviously going to be different for each landlord. And I think it depends on the assets that they hold. So I think it's important to say here, you know, small businesses, tenants, you know, they're looking for good, productive and ongoing relationships with their landlord. But certainly in some instances, there is that incentive for landlords to, you know, keep um, a particular premise vacant 
uh, you know, with an advertised higher rent um, than, than otherwise reducing that rent. And there's a number of commercial reasons for that. You know, that might affect their bank valuation of their property. Uh, they might not want to, you know, accept a lower rent that they feel is not a proper return on investment. Um, and if they did that, it might have implications for, you know, the rents of other tenants they have in that particular premise. So there's a range of commercial reasons there. I think it does look unfortunate when you've seen, you know, sort of for lease signs up for you know, a long significant um, period of time. Um, and that's where people like Kelly and, you know, leasing consultants can oh. come in and help tenants understand their obligations. But certainly it is a bit of a shame. But at the same time, you know, I think I'd, we do need to be respectful of the landlord's business model. Okay. Um, well, let, let me bring Kelly in. Why wouldn't a landlord, Kelly, want to negotiate or lower rent if it meant keeping a business in their premises? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it's it's often hard for um, the general consumer to sort of understand that and see, look, why is, why is this opposite, why is this landlord not wanting to negotiate? Well, like as Luke said, it has some commercial implications sometimes. And if the market has moved a lot, then the landlord has to consider, you know, what impact is it going to have on my the valuation of my property and the and like Luke said, you know, the neighbouring tenancies and when their leases come up for expiry, I'm going to have to reduce those too, and that and that can be a real impact to the landlord. So the landlord, for what we have to do is try and find well, what are the other things that we can do to provide benefits to the landlord if we need a reduction in rent? Then we need to find other benefits that we can provide to the landlord because the landlord goes, okay, well, maybe I can leave it vacant and I can still have a valuation on my property, which is somewhat similar to what I'm currently achieving. If I actually have somebody sign a new lease and lock it in, then that becomes the new formal valuation and, of that tenancy. And then the valuation determines their ability to borrow money, the landlord's ability to borrow money, I suppose. Correct. So if they've got debt funding on that asset, then you know the banks are also looking at that. The banks are looking at okay, so what what is what's the borrowing we've provided on what basis, and what's you know the loan to value ratio for that, and is that still in keeping with what we you know lent on the basis of? So they need to be making sure that um, it's all sort of still balanced, and there's a lot of moving parts. So they need to all those things need to add up for them too. Well, yes, but the landlords, if if he or she is a uh, is, is a debt finance. They've got to meet those debts. And cash Correct. flow, we're constantly told, is the secret to actually, you know, staying alive commercially. So I don't quite understand this. Yeah, so, I mean, in the landlords, obviously, we've we've talked about, um, you talked about interest rate increases. If there is debt funding, they've had, they've also had, you know, 12 or 13 interest rate rises in a row. So they've also got upward pressure on the payments that they need to make for those those assets. So they're needing to increase the rent on the on these premises to sort of keep up with that and won't even keep up with that, but it will assist towards it. The challenge that you've got is that the rent that someone's paying, if you're at the end of your lease and you've been there for five years, then the rent that you're paying today is purely as a result of a calculation that was made five years ago when you decided on the lease a rent amount at that time, it's increased by 5% per annum thereafter. So in five years' time, the rent is only what it is because of that calculation, not because that's actually what the market value of that tenancy is. So, so in a way, it suggests that the banks are, are acting as an incentive to landlords to artificially inflate rents. 
Can well, we draw that conclusion? I mean, you know, if, if circumstances change, um, why, surely you'd think that the banks and everybody would have to accept it. Um, yeah, I'm not so. Sh- I'm not. I'm not so sure it's black and white. But I. But it's very. It's the bank. Um, if if there is debt funding attached to a commercial property, then it certainly does put pressure on the landlord. Yes, to be figuring out how to, um, you know, what's the what's the best return on this investment that I can get in terms of making sure I meet my obligations as well, and remembering that a lot of landlords are small businesses too. So, you know, they've they've got all those pressures themselves as well. What flexibility is there in a lease in your experience? Oh, well, there is quite a bit of uh, flexibility and it, it, there's a number of things that can be negotiated in a lease. And hence, when if somebody engages a professional who does it all the time, I mean, generally the landlord has an agent working for them, so they are experienced in it. And often the tenant comes up short when they're at that negotiating table because they don't understand the things that can be negotiated. There's a number of ways that we can create a deal or engineer an arrangement where the landlord still gets what they need whilst still providing the tenant with what they need as well. So when, and as our job as a lease negotiator is to understand both sides of the story, what are the needs of the landlord, what's the age and stage of that asset and what do they need versus what does the tenant need and trying to create a deal that um, sort of serves the purposes of both of those parties mm. because they both have a vested interest, they're in a okay. partnership for the next five years, potentially. I'll, go, I'll let Luke have the final say, really. I, I mean, it doesn't sound ideal, Luke, this. Um, is, And I think there are some moves, aren't there, towards uh, um, a bit of regulation and, and it sort of interfering in this in these particular negotiations? Yeah, Jerry. I think COVID really shone a light on this whole sort of topic and, you know, landlords, um, you know, tenants, it's often portrayed as a bit of a David Goliath sort of battle and the reality is it can be. Um, but look, as Kelly says, sometimes the landlords themselves are often small businesses who might, you know, have a mortgage themselves. But certainly throughout COVID, you had the small business commissioners around Australia, so at a state and territory level, bringing what they call tenancy acts and you know, retail leasing codes and having a really good look at those pieces of legislation, which actually set out guidelines, you know, guidelines for good faith negotiations you know, during the worst of COVID. I think in New South Wales, you know, landlords were, were pretty much obliged to provide at least half of their rental relief in the form of, you know, genuine relief. So not necessarily deferrals, but, you know, real cash relief. So certainly a lot of positive news was coming out of those regulations. And now in a sort of a post-COVID environment, you know, really having these conversations, I think it's really important to make sure small businesses, both landlords and tenants, have that information, you know, the various things that can be negotiated. Right. I mean, there are professionals out there to help. So, look, there's okay. been a bit of regulatory work done, but more more to go to really boost our small businesses. Yes, I think we'll hear more of this, to be honest. I really do. Luke Akterstrat, thank you very much indeed from uh, Cosboa. Thanks, Jerry. And Kelly Cunningham, uh, a commercial property consultant, thank you to you. Thanks very much. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.